When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, for the second year in a row, we were treated to two absolute instant classics in the college football playoff semifinals. We're here live, ready to break it all down right here on the Three Technique. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Happy New Year, one and all. What a way to start 2024. Two absolute instant classics in the college football playoff semifinal. The Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, both delivered big time. Lived up to the billing of the marquee matchups that uh, we were promised here, guys. Welcome in. Welcome in, one and all, to a live edition of the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and Joe's. I'm joined by Garrett Turney. Also joined by Mr. Drew Hull rejoining us uh, as a special guest from the Southern Boys Sports Podcast. Fellas, I'm, I'm struggling to catch my breath after the ending of that Sugar Bowl. Huh? How are we feeling on this New Year's night? My gosh, that was insane. I mean, because when we left Mitch's place, we got to go watch different Mitch's place. Mitch getting up early in the morning, so he's not going to be on the show tonight. But when we left Mitch's place, it was pretty much a, a general consensus that, yeah, this Washington game is pretty out of hand and Texas won't have enough time to come back at this point. We're kind of casually getting ready to stroll in here and talk about how, you know, Washington cruised. And I mean, gosh, both of these games coming down to the very last play. And, and I, I mean, last play for both of them where either team and just one play can win this thing, you know, walk away and all that. So, wow. What, what a day college football. Um, <laughs> It does not disappoint. This is, I mean, maybe gave last year's semifinals a run for their money in terms of just pure entertainment value. And, and last year's are pretty dang good too. So, man, I'm I'm excited to see what comes out of the championship game. Hopefully a little bit better than last year's. Yeah, I would I would agree with you there. Um, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I feel like it definitely um, summed up kind of what this college football season was all about. And that was kind of like, an uncertainty of, of who the next top dog is, who's going to be that team in the national championship, who's going to be the national champion. Um, even when we over on our podcast, we're going through preseason takes and expectations and predictions. It was kind of like, well, anybody could really do anything like Georgia's going to be good. Mm-hmm. We know that um, Michigan, Alabama, uh, Florida State, we knew who was going to be good. It's just about who's going to get in that 12 team or excuse me, 14 playoff um, and shake some things up. Um, so it, it definitely delivered. Um, it was definitely kind of the factor of anything can happen and anything did happen. Like Garrett said, um, two games that went literally down to the last play and Jalen Milrow gets stopped. Texas gets stopped with that throw to uh, Adonai Mitchell in the back of the end zone. And um, ultimately 
Um, like you said there, Trey, a, a great national championship game. It is shaping up to be, um, but really entertaining games, obviously. Um, and like I said, kind of summarize the overall uh, gist of what the 2023 college football season is all about. Wait, Drew, are you saying that his name is not pronounced Adani? I don't know. It's not it was, Adani. Uh, it was, it was, I thought it was a Don I, and then they were saying it different on Sean McDonough was saying it different on the ESPN broadcast. So, well, Hurst Street butchered it. He called him a Donny in the, in the, <laughs> oh, really? Call it was, that was pretty egregious. It's definitely not a Donny. We may not know exactly how to say it right, but it's not a Donny. Well, Craig Way on the Longhorn uh, radio network says Adonai. I've heard it Adonai a hundred percent of the time until today when Craig Hurst <laughs> Street said it. So, I, I'm gonna roll with that, but fellas, you, you guys, you guys set the table really well. It was a fantastic day of football all around. The games lived up to the hype. We predicted a couple of barn burners. We predicted a couple of absolute classics, and that's exactly what we got um, in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Before we get too deep into the weeds of these games in particular, I'm gonna thank our sponsors real quick. This show and every show is brought to you by the Transfer Portal CFB. As the playoffs heat up, as we get. Uh, sprint towards the national championship game next monday make sure you're tuned in to the transfer portal cfb all of those articles all of that video content social media content coming out from the boys over at hq it's great stuff and it's definitely worth your time to read make sure that you're checking that out we're also brought to you of course always by home field apparel we uh love the stuff over at home field i know a lot of our stockings were stuffed by them over the christmas holiday and you can make sure that you're repping your favorite team as well. Garrett and Drew both have Michigan shirts on. If you're a Michigan fan, if you're a Washington fan, you need to gear up for the championship game. If you're a Texas fan or an Alabama fan that needs to, you know, drown your sorrows in a new purchase, retail therapy. Either way, 3TechPod is the code 15% off your first purchase at home field. And click the link in our bio if you're a return customer. Make sure that you are gearing up to represent your favorite team. Fellas, without further ado, let's just jump right in and kind of live react to that Sugar Bowl matchup. Uh, final score, Washington 31, Texas, or sorry, Washington 37, Texas 31. What a wild, wild finish in New Orleans. As you know, like you said off the top, Garrett, we were watching that game all together at, at uh, the Mason home. And... We kind of wrote Texas off, and that was very foolish of us to do. It was still a two-possession game. You know, as Washington kept kicking field goals there in the second half, I, part of me was thinking, you know, they're leaving the door open just a little bit. And sure enough, Texas drives all the way down into the Washington red zone, gets one last play, shades of Mac Brown in 2009, right, in the Big 12 championship where he's holding up the one finger, Put second back on the clock. We're going to get one more shot at this. But this time, Texas comes up just short. The throw to the end zone falls incomplete. Oh, my goodness. What, what a track need of a game. The offenses lived up to the billing. Washington's offense was, you know, other than coming up short in the red zone and, you know, settling for field goals a couple of times, the Washington offense was flawless in this game. They – Kalen DeBoer called a fan and the offensive staff called a fantastic game. Michael Penix executed. He was 11 for 11 in the third quarter at one point, just ridiculous video game numbers. Uh, you can see it on the screen there, 29 of 38 for 430 yards and two touchdowns. And guys, we highlighted this on our preview show. What was going to give the Longhorns trouble 
was their pass defense. And that certainly, certainly came to fruition tonight. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. All right. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, Either way, I I agree with you. Um, Texas um, obviously falls a little bit short, and I know they're kind of talking about it over there um, in the chat, but a really questionable uh, uh, last couple of play calls um, there at the end of the game. Obviously, um, uh, that dump down to the running back in the backfield, very, very questionable. I I mean, I'm assuming there was other routes down the field. It didn't really show it on the broadcast. Um, but even throwing that ball, because if you get tackled in bounds, that's I think they said it on the broadcast, that's the season, and that's obviously the game. Um, and I just saw a meme on, on Barstool Sports that was like Texas's last four play calls, and it was like a, a scribble-scrabble sheet that was drawn by like a four-year-old. Like that's what it seemed like, <laughs> is that there was really no structure. And I, I do command, uh, commend them for you know going down the field and, and making something happen and making it a game and getting in the red zone, uh, because that was obviously a, a really good play-calling um, couple of plays there, but once they got in the red zone, I mean, they had a, a couple shots at the end zone, which one they wasted on that dump down, and then a couple jump balls. I feel like they could have got down there, um, moved the chains one more time, made that clock stop, then go for the end zone. Um, but I, I mean, I guess it's just uh, Monday morning quarterback. Um, you know, you can you can sit up here and say that all you want, but a great game, like you said, Trey for Michael Penix. Um, he was dealing. Um, I saw people talking on social media that he was, you know, he was playing mad. He didn't win the Heisman. He was doing this, that, and the other. And 430 yards, two touchdowns, looked really poised. They ran him a little bit. And um, I know Dylan Johnson got hurt in those last minutes of the game, which ended up kind of giving Texas an opportunity to to squirm back in the game. Um, But either way, uh, he had a a very phenomenal game. And um, all the way, uh, a a great game from Washington. Uh, They stay undefeated on the season. And Washington-Michigan will be a good game. Uh, But in the Sugar Bowl, like you said, Washington uh, kind of let it slip away. Texas made something out of nothing and made it for another instant classic. Yeah, a yeah, couple and- of turnovers from Texas as well. Fumbles in the second half really set the stage for Washington to take control of the game. Again, ultimately almost let it slip away, but they were in control there at the end. Garrett, you know, as we look at just this performance from Washington's offense, it wasn't just one guy, right? They were spreading the ball around. What what impressed you the most about that performance? I, I think Michael Penix's poise was just remarkable. To be in this spot, to be you know in a playoff spot, hadn't been there before, right? He had been you know championship spot was his biggest so far uh, for his for his conference championship, and to be able to go in here and make I, I don't feel like I saw him make too many bad decisions tonight. I mean, he was new when to tuck it and run, new when to throw it away. But man, he just he knew that he could trust his guys downfield. He was slinging that thing. I mean, just absolutely just crushing it down the field, going vertical. A couple of huge plays over the top that really set him apart. I, you know, for anything, I thought that the, the funny thing today, and we'll talk about this, especially with Michigan, but it felt like both teams that won today made some mistakes or, or maybe made some questionable decisions throughout the game that let the other team kind of stay with it. Washington felt like the better team for the vast majority of this game. And then it was just the the little mistakes they couldn't quite punch in touchdowns that let Texas stay in this game. You know, we we'd even talked about a little bit, you know, tonight that you know they go score touchdowns on a couple of those turnovers. This thing's wraps. This is a you know forty five to fifty point effort from Washington, and who cares if Texas scores at the very end of the game? It doesn't matter, right? And so the fact that it was as close as it was, I think partly you know you got to tip your hat to Texas on defense and you know keeping Washington from scoring there, but. 
you know, I, I think they're going to have to put out a slightly more polished product if they're going to do anything against Michigan. That defense today from Michigan looked pretty dang good. But, you know, it, the, to have the trust that they had in their guys, right, to be able to say, you know, Rome's down there somewhere, right, <laughs> and to just chug it up and say, hey, I'm going to believe in my guy down the field, right? That, that, that was huge. And to be able to do that, I think, was a massive, massive credit to Washington, to what they've built through the year. And, and there's a reason I picked Washington to win this game. It's because I trusted Penix to be clutch when he needed to be. And despite some mistakes and despite not the perfect game, he was poised. He he made overall smart decisions with the football. And he ultimately didn't cost his team anything and, and honestly came up with some, some huge plays down the stretch to keep him in it. Yeah, and I'll go off just one last thing um, on this is, it honestly seemed like in both of the games, and especially in the second game um, between Washington and Texas, it seemed like the the winning team was playing less scared. Like It just seemed like Michael Penix was playing free. He was out there running. He was throwing the ball into tight windows, and he was making plays. Um, and, and it seemed like in that first game in the Rose Bowl, um, with a couple bad snaps from McLaughlin, the center, um, Jalen Milrow was playing kind of timid. He wasn't making throws. The play calling was really short. They weren't making um, a lot of plays down the field in the passing game. And um, a lot of run plays um, with Jace McClellan. And he was a great running back. Um, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I feel like Washington and Michigan, and especially in that late two-minute drill that Michigan um, pulled off, like they were moving the ball down the field. That that catch by Roman Wilson and a, and a great throw by J.J. McCarthy ended up putting them in the position to win that game. Um, right. Michael Pinnock threw for 430 yards. They threw it almost 40 times. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the, uh, the trust and the ability to, to try and push the ball down the field and be really aggressive ultimately paid off. Um, yeah. It seemed like, as Texas was also aggressive, um, it, it just kind of seemed like Washington wasn't afraid. Um, Alabama seemed afraid with those bad snaps. Um, and as their defense played really good, their offense just couldn't get the job done. So I feel like the aggression um, from the two winners today, um, it, it, it like you said, it cost some mistakes. It cost a couple turnovers, um, especially on the Michigan side of things. They almost killed themselves, shot themselves in the foot um, with that muffed punt there at the end of the game. Um, and so a couple of mistakes from both sides, but overall it was, it was really fun to watch these two winning teams come out be aggressive. And uh, it's going to make for a, an interesting uh, final two teams um, with both those guys coming in hot. Yeah. Well, and, and a quick thing real quick, I'm going to point this out too. Bumbles killed Texas in this game. Yeah. They, they absolutely killed Texas in this game. I know that they had a couple of like muffed with the punts and whatnot, but man, it just seemed like fumble balls on the turf, coughed it up, couldn't keep control of the ball. That, I mean, ultimately killed Texas because that that turned into some Washington points and they didn't convert all those into touchdowns, but even just kicking field goals was the difference in this game, right? It, it's two field goals is your difference right here. So for me, I look at this and I say, man, that, that I mean, just really, really sucks that, that Texas wasn't able to keep control of the ball. And, and, you know, even if they don't score on those, it's a tie game, right? Because those are two field goals that you keep off the board. If you find a way to go down, score any points on those, you win this football game. And so, man, it just it, it it sucks to see that. But I mean, that's part of the game, right? It's turnovers are a part of the game, and you know, at, at the end of the day, it's going to be something that you know the the Texas running backs and the Texas players are going to have to look at themselves and say, man, we were that close. It was just the little things, right? It was just the little things, the little bit of execution that they couldn't pull off that that ultimately ended up biting them. Yeah, it was the turnovers. They, they were the huge ones, but the procedural penalties also really biting the Longhorns. Only 66 penalty yards, but 10 penalties total, backing them up about five yards at a time every single time it seemed like. And it always seemed to come at a big pivotal moment when they needed to convert a first down, back them up five yards. Guys, I want to highlight a couple more just 
maybe unsung heroes for the Washington Huskies today. Uh, you know, Roma Dunze gets all the highlight headlines and rightfully so, but Jalen Polk, five receptions for 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jack Westover, the tight end, had a great game. Six receptions for 59 yards. Did a lot of the dirty work, getting a bunch of yards. I remember I listened to a part of this game on the Longhorns radio network, and Craig Way and his color commentator were just so frustrated at Westover getting you know these big chunk plays on second down and setting up third and shorts over and over and over again. This uh, down the stretch in this some game, really impressive snags in that game too. Westover was kind of an unsung hero, like you were saying. Just some big snags and some big spots for him. Yeah, and Michael Penix. Just one last thing about him: just making some outstanding next level NFL ready throws, zipping it right past a couple safeties on one of the touchdown passes. Just you know, I, I think he made himself a lot of money tonight. If he wasn't already up there, yeah. well, and someone else I want to highlight. Jabbar Muhammad played a fantastic game outside. These Texas receivers are extremely talented, and as a whole, they didn't have a lot of success against them. I know there were some, like, obviously when you play receivers that talented, like, you're going to give up some. But, I mean, as a whole, he kept those receivers in check. Xavier Worthy, I mean, caught two balls for 45. I'm looking up and down here. Adnan Mitchell, obviously four for 32 in the touchdown, but not massive receiving numbers there. Um, overall held the receivers in check for Texas and whoever he was lined up against in whatever situation did a really, really good job out there on the perimeter. So need to shout him out because a lot of people were, you know, trying to, uh, on the broadcast, I heard him a couple of times saying there was a mismatch because he was short. Uh, I remember a time when, you know, having a shorter corner who was extremely athletic and talented to the ball wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And so I want to shout him out a little bit for, for, you know, knowing how to play ball and, and competing out there doing a good job. Yeah, and I'll build off that just a little bit. He obviously had a a super impressive game. Um, And one of the big things that kind of concerned me coming in was obviously um, I picked Texas. I picked Texas to win the game. Um, And one of the main reasons for that is Texas just had so many weapons. They just seem like one of those teams, um, like Washington on offense, just has a weapon at every spot, right? All three receivers um, for Washington, like you said, Trey, can make plays. But the same thing for Texas. Um, Xavier Worthy didn't have the best of games, but I thought maybe, hey, Jordan Whittington will step up or or Jaden Blue or C.J. Baxter will step up. And the the kind of key piece that I anticipated going in was Jatavian Sanders. And he's, he's super, super talented, super, super quick and athletic for his size. Um, I, he had a decent game, six catches, 75 yards, and made some big catches down the stretch. Uh, but ultimately, I, I, I um, commend Washington for being able to kind of um, restrain him as well. Because like you said, understanding your job out wide and, and stopping some of the best receivers in college football um, is obviously one of those main game plan points. Uh, but stopping a guy like Jatavian Sanders from, you know, ripping you up and ripping you up, I think that's what separates kind of like a, a great team, national championship team. And then maybe a not so good team is going to say, okay, we have, we have a Donai Mitchell. Um, we have Xavier Worthy um, locked down on the outside, um, but Jatavian Sanders. And I saw it multiple times throughout the game, including um, Alabama early in the season, just continue to rip him up in big moments. Um, but either way, I, I feel like he was a leading receiver, um, but he didn't get in the end zone, and it was ultimately a, a successful task for Washington um, and pass coverage in general, um, like you said there, Garrett. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Garrett. I, I was going to say, only thing left on this storyline for me is just, man, it really feels like that was Texas's opportunity, right? Like, you know, I'll, this is stuff we'll talk about all offseason long, I'm sure, but man, as Texas is coming into the SEC and they're going to have to go up against, you know, Georgia and Bama 
and you know, Ole Miss and Tennessee and like whoever Michigan else in the non-conference next year. Yeah, and yeah. next year Michigan non-conference. I mean, this is just uh, you know going forward, even not just next year but beyond. Like Texas is still a really really good football team. If they can keep their roster together, they'll still be extremely competitive. But they're still going to have a harder path next year than they had this year. It really felt like this needed to be a moment for Texas, and man, it just it has got to suck knowing that you were that close, right? You were that close with you know, opportunities to, you know, maybe it was, it was, you know, a couple of fumbles or a couple of penalties or just something, but you were that close to a national title before transitioning the SEC. I'm not saying they can't compete in the SEC, but man, like that, that road is going to get so much harder for them going forward. Just has to feel super empty right now on that Texas sideline and that Texas fan base, knowing that you were that close. Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how they respond next year. Man, that ESPN broadcast seemed to be ready to just kick Quinn Ewers to the curb and usher in Arch Manning down the stretch there. That that was just – I can't believe they actually went that far with the production. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's going to be fascinating to see how they respond. Guys, one last thing I want to shout out for the Washington Huskies. Your offensive line did not give up a sack tonight, and that That's is huge. huge. That was a big battle that we circled going into the preview on this one, Texas defensive line versus Washington's offensive line. Big, big victory for that offensive line. They had a lot of holes in the run game as well. They kept Michael Penix clean. He scrambled around a little bit. He had to run just a little bit, but you know, big, big victory for the Huskies right there, and it led directly to them winning the actual football game. Guys, I think that puts a bow on the Sugar Bowl. Let's talk Rose Bowl here, as you two are both repping the victors. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, Michigan sir. Wolverines. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a fantastic game as well. Final score, Michigan 27, Alabama 20 in overtime. It This was a very, very interesting game because it felt like at different points, both teams could have ran away with this one, right? I think in the first half, you know, Garrett, you showed us the gif of the guy just shooting himself in the foot. And that was Michigan <laughs> at multiple points in this game. You know, the the turnover early, the muffed punt on the first drive that leads directly to an Alabama touchdown. Um, you know, a couple missed opportunities here and there throughout the game, but they weather the storm. Alabama looked like they had an opportunity to run away with this one. They had all the momentum in the fourth quarter, up 17-13. They're driving, and then Jalen Milrow fumbles. And that didn't directly lead to points for Michigan. They missed a field goal on that ensuing drive, but it definitely sucked the air out of that Alabama sideline because if they drive down and score or even kick a field goal there, I think this could be a completely different result that we're talking about this evening. So both teams had their chances, but credit Michigan for weathering the storm, for being the more physical team. They just bullied Alabama up front this entire game, both on offense and defense. They did not let Alabama pin their ears back and rush the passer very often. And on the defensive side of the ball, they just destroyed the Alabama offensive line, which was a huge matchup we were watching for on the preview. So guys, you know, gutsy performance from JJ McCarthy, two of 21 through the air, three touchdowns added some, you know, chain movers on the ground as well. Blake Corum gets the game-winning touchdown in overtime on a great run. But, you know, when we were previewing this game, we said, you know, this is going to be a physical defensive slugfest. And credit the Wolverines for weathering the storm. Yeah, and the crazy thing to me was 
Look, when we broke this down and we talked about this, everyone kept saying that Michigan hasn't played a team as physical as Alabama, and there's no way that – and I was I was trying to caution everybody. Guys, I don't know that Alabama's played a team as physical as Michigan. I know that Georgia's extremely good, but, man, the violence that Michigan played with up front, the absolute I – mean, I mean, destruction up, up front on the defensive side, especially getting to the quarterback twice in the first three plays – really just setting the tone that, hey, man, this ain't going to be like it used to be. Like This is this is a long day for you, Jalen Milrow. You're going to get some, but it's going to be a, a hard process for you. I think that really set the tone early and kind of let everybody on that Bama sideline know how it was going to be from the Michigan side. Man, and, and you say weathering the storm. How many times did Michigan have to weather the storm? From the first play, needing a review to sh- make sure that that wasn't really a pick to – you know, after the three and out that they got, muffing the punt, giving up a touchdown on a blown, you know, gap assignment from a linebacker, several of those on the day on both sides, by the way. And, and, and man, just being able to come back, put together impressive drives, stay in the game, keep your head above water, man, just really, really impressive to be able to see what they're able to do in bouncing back time after time, even at the very end of the game, right? You know, Bama's driving. It looks like the clock's about to run out. They're about to go in here, put some points on the board. To be able to push them back and force the field goal, get the ball back with the ability to tie, and then, I mean, sprint down the field as fast as they possibly could and and put that ball in the end zone. That was a massive bounce back for them. At that point, they had all the momentum. And, and man, just that that Blake Corum unrelenting touchdown in overtime that felt like what Michigan was all day. I feel like that was an overall picture of what Michigan was. Just you come at me, sidestep, drag your guy, spin, right? Just he wasn't going to be denied the end zone, and, and neither was Michigan for this W. I'm I'm super impressed with the way Michigan played today. I think they were the better team. Man, they tried to give it away in some spots, but they were definitely the better team on the field today, and I think that they deserved the dub. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um Obviously, for Jalen Milrow through the air, not a very successful day. Um, And I think that can be accredited to Michigan's defense more than anything. Um, And a lot of people um, on Twitter, I know a lot of Florida State fans were, oh, look at Jalen Milrow having a bad game. But, I mean, (laughs) if you look down the field, like there's videos of um, Will Johnson's coverage on on Jermaine Burton and some of those other DBs, whether it's Mike Sanders, or some of those other guys just guarding um, the wide receivers on Alabama's side of the football. There wasn't really anything to throw to. Um, some conservative uh, uh, play calls from Tommy Reese in that offense. Yep. It just looked like kind of a cluster on offense for Alabama. Jalen Milrow, you can see it right there on the screen, ran the ball 21 times. Um, and, and that's honestly like unbelievable. Uh, he, he, yeah. he really he had a hard time. Um, and when I was watching the game, at least, um, it kind of seemed like Alabama or excuse me, Michigan was doing an excellent job keeping those linebackers out wide and eliminating the scramble, also eliminating the opportunity for the Alabama receivers or running backs to get outside. And um, it was honestly it was honestly a, a great game to watch from Michigan side of things. They scrapped the game out. Both special teams units were not having the best of days. Um, but J.J. McCarthy did his job, and and people can call him a game manager and, and call him you know not a, a top quarterback because of the way that he plays the game. Uh, but, I mean, 17 passes, 221 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, a very efficient game for him. And um, like you said, Garrett, Blake Corum, um, a relentless runner, one of the better running backs in college football all year long. And um, I will say Jason McClellan played an excellent game for Alabama. Um, but overall, it just felt like Michigan's defense really came to play. Um, the snapping problems from Chase McLaughlin and the uh, Alabama offense, just really sloppy, um, which yeah. is kind of 
uh, uh, weird from a, a Nick Saban Alabama team. Um, but I think that's just the style of play Michigan plays with. Like you said, Garrett, they're playing really aggressive. They were playing really uh, kind of non-relenting defense, and um, that'll shake you. It was the first time. I'm a Tennessee fan. I, I watched them play my team. I watched them play a lot. And um, even in that SEC championship game, really even in that loss to Texas, they didn't really look like they were going in the fetal position or like they were down. And in this game, it looked like a lot of the time Michigan was controlling and Alabama was trying to uh, to fight back and, and get back on top. And they were kind of underneath the whole game. Um, and when it came down to it, Alabama had a chance. Um, it was a, a weird kind of like RPO play call um, that last play of the game. But either way, great defense from Michigan um, and an excellent opportunity for them to win a national championship for the first time since 1997 or 1999, I believe. So it's been a while. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's crazy but, to say it, too, because, you know, the, the snapping problems comes from when the defensive line is playing so good. You're not even thinking about the snap. Sure. You're thinking about where you got to get Lock, off, yep, you know, who exactly. you got to fill, who uh-huh. you're hitting next massive credit to Michigan's D-line on that. I thought that the D-line versus O-line battle on that side of the ball was the entire story. Their ability to get pressure, whoop the offensive line's tail on several plays. There were several that, you know, someone would go make a play in the backfield, like, oh, if you just slip past them, I'm like, what are you talking about? The rest of the (laughs) offensive line got whooped everywhere else. Like, it was just somebody else's a yard later, right? And so it, it it was really impressive for me to look at the way that Michigan played on defense for, you know, all the talk. And, you know, I am definitely in the camp of the SEC plays overall better football across the board. But for all the talk about SEC physicality and all that, Michigan came to play. That Michigan was the more physical team. Michigan was ready to ram it down your throat and, and just just you know take it to you. And and boy did they 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 absolutely out physical Alabama. And and that's probably where a lot of the the snapping problems came from. Was you're you're he's not thinking about where he's snapping the ball, making sure he's getting it right in the right spot. He's thinking about you know getting off so he can chip and getting off so he can fill that gap because he's been getting whooped his entire game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, sorry. Uh, just one last point on it is kind of the matchup that we've got heading in with Michigan winning this game. And it, it was such a, it was such a, a good prove it game for Michigan um, to come out and, and make um, such a statement by beating Alabama. Cause people were talking about their strength of schedule. They haven't played this, that, and the other, they beat the SEC champion, and this is actually the, the the comment that I was wanting to get to um, was that the defense for, for Michigan is ultimately going to get in Penix's face. The secondary um, for Michigan is going to be able to shut down those receivers for Washington. And it's almost like a perfect clash of the Titans between what proved to be one of the best offensive lines in college football um, after their showing today against Texas, giving up zero sacks, um, a great secondary um, for Michigan that's going to have to hold one of the best receiving courts, if not the best receiving core in college football in Washington. Um, so it, it's honestly – what proves to be at this point in college football. And I know there were the one and two seeds and I know that, but I think a lot of people were still saying is Washington legit. Texas has a lot of talent. I think this is the two most talented all around football teams in college football this year. Um, And the ability for both these teams to come out here, um, compete in the national championship game is, is really going to test Michael Penix as a quarterback um, because he's going to have a lot of pressure. They're going to bring a lot of stunt blitzes. They did it a lot. Jesse Minter is really good at that. And um, they've got a great secondary. So the offense for Washington is going to be tested. But let's not sleep on Washington's defense. J.J. McCarthy is going to be tested. So it's kind of like it goes both ways, and both teams kind of proved why I'm, I'm, I'm one of the best teams in college football. And we knew that coming in, but I think we've got the top two in the national championship. A great game here in the – excuse me, the Rose Bowl. And uh, Michigan defense really impressed me a lot. Yeah, you can't say enough about this Michigan defense 
held Alabama to just 288 total yards, 116 Amazing. through the air, 172 on the ground. Guys, they have not been held to that low of a yardage total since 2017. So wow. it's been a minute since wow. Alabama has been shut down to that level. And, it, you know, the biggest story was the six sacks, the 10 tackles for loss. Alabama had just one sack and one tackle for loss on the day on the defensive side. Can't say enough about the effort from the Michigan Wolverines. I do, you know, I want to talk more about the winners than I do the losers typically, but I do want to ask you guys, you know, you hinted at it a little bit both ways here. There was a lot of poor execution from the Crimson Tide, whether it be botched snaps, whether it be a procedural penalty at an inopportune time, tons of uncharacteristically just bad execution from a Nick Saban coach team. But also, um, really interesting play calls at different points in the game, right? Drew, you hinted at the conservative route running. You know, you look at Jalen Miller's stats, he completed vast majority of his passes, right? But they just weren't chucking it downfield. And it seems like when their offense has worked the best this year, it's letting Jalen Miller run and letting him just use that howitzer of an arm to yep. launch it downfield and, you know, hope a receiver can make a play. That's been their most efficient offense this week, and they got away from both of those things. Had some design runs for Jalen Milrow, and they worked for the most part. But then at the end, they really went away from you know letting him make a play in space. That's that's really my biggest uh, complaint there on that last play call. I don't know if it was more of a play call thing. I don't know if it was an execution. It looked like they pulled a guard that he was maybe supposed to follow and Jalen Milrow just kind of maybe went through the wrong uh, opening there, thought he saw an opening up the middle, didn't, and it closed too quickly. I don't know. That's for the film room to decide. But <laughs> it, it just seemed like a lot of uncharacteristically bad execution and uncharacteristically bad coaching, quite frankly, from this Alabama staff that didn't put their players in the best position to succeed. Yeah, and I, I will say, I, I was thinking about this earlier in the game, and it, it's kind of a constant theme um, throughout not just Alabama, obviously they're elevated because they're in a national semifinal, um, but throughout college football in general. And and the one thing that I want to hint to is the transfer portal and the, the opportunity to bring in guys that you may not be in your system for four years, may not come in as a freshman, you know, petrified of Nick Saban, then they build their way up to, to the starting lineup. Talk about a guy who came over from Louisiana and Trey Amos. He had his downtimes. You know, he he made some dumb mistakes, not only in this game, but throughout the season. Um, and he didn't see the field as a starter, but he was in the slot a lot. He was a backup corner a lot. Um, Jermaine Burton, a transfer from Georgia. Like, those aren't guys that are in Nick Saban's system consistently. And those seem to be the guys that Jermaine Burton is jawing all game. He's coming over to social media and causing problems. And that's not something that we're really used to seeing from Alabama in general. Um, and so – there was uh, 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 pre-snap penalties from Alabama that we're not used to seeing. Um, there, there was snap problems from Chase McLaughlin that we're not used to seeing. Uh, but one of the biggest things just throughout the whole game and throughout college football in general is just the inability to come in, um, kind of create a structure and, and guys that you're getting out of high school, um, like you obviously could before the transfer portal era kind of uh, made its mark on college football. Uh, but now that you've got 21-year-old guys, 22-year-old guys coming into your program already playing college football for three or four years, 
already playing for a, another coach or two. Um, it seems like coaches and, and including Nick Saban, who's arguably the greatest coach of all time at this level. Um, it seems like they're having a hard time kind of reining in and, and becoming more disciplined. And when you look at teams who don't utilize the portal as much or, or have more of a, a homegrown um, team and guys who have been there for a while, those teams seem more disciplined. Michigan doesn't have a lot of guys that they utilize through the portal. They have some, uh, but Will Johnson came there as a true freshman. J.J. McCarthy waited his turn. Blake Corum's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Offensive line is pretty set. And they got some defensive transfers to help them out. Um, but it was a really disciplined game for Michigan. And so, yeah, that's just one thing I observed throughout the season is kind of that that transfer portal um, aspect of the game kind of coming into play um, with the X's and O's. Well, you know, maybe a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but it sounds like Nick Saban needs to pick his porter players better if there's any <laughs> problems in the attitude and everything. Yeah, so maybe seriously. The big guy's yeah. going to be a little better. Uh, uh, no, I mean, obviously, you're going to get that a little bit. I think you got a really good point there. Um, for, for me, when I look at this, Trey, you are talking about not using the, the cannon of the arm. He tried it a couple times, but it was covered. I mean, down the field, deep shots. He, he tried – I remember two specifically. One, he tried to go down the field to – to Burton on the sideline and Johnson had him just blanketed. I mean, just yeah. do anything there. I think it went a couple yards out of bounds anyways, but there wasn't anywhere to throw that football. If you threw that ball in bounds, it's going Michigan's way. And there's another one. I think they decided, you know, let's try to attack the middle of the field. Ron Moore had that thing covered too. I, th- I can't remember if it was Burton running the route or if it was, you know, bond or whoever else, but Burton had or uh, bond or not bond Rod Moore. He had it covered up and he, I mean, all the way down the field, walking with them step for step, gets thrown, adjusts to the ball, and he just steps in the way of it, knocks it away, no problem. And so, like, they tried to go for the deep stuff, but it just wasn't there. And regardless of when they tried to or not, the O-line was getting whooped. I mean, they didn't have time to go down the field anyways. And so I I do think part of it was going away from what was working, but also part of it was just what was working doesn't against Michigan. They just didn't let – it was a terrible matchup. They ran into an absolute buzzsaw of a a front seven who – I mean, got after the quarterback and was harassing Miller all night. And then also you flip that to the other side. And, you know, yeah, he got a couple of chances at some chunk plays, but it just wasn't there. It just – there weren't those opportunities. He threw good balls, but they just weren't there to be caught for the receivers. I think the best ball I thought he threw was that kind of out-breaking route towards the sideline that he caught with the one foot in for Isaiah Bond, just kind of floated up and over a guy. That was his best ball, I think, of the day. It's a good chunk play, but it's not it's not going to be there for you. And if you can't do that all day, they weren't going to have success against Michigan. That just you, you had to have some kind of balance. They didn't have it. You make great points, guys. And I, I think it's something that they're going to be talking about for a long time either way in Tuscaloosa. And it's, it's going to be fascinating, just like we talked about with Texas. It's going to be fascinating to see how Alabama responds to this. You know Nick Saban is not going to be done. Just when everyone wants to count him out, that's when he seems to do his best. So we'll see how they respond in the offseason. We'll see if they adjust their strategy in the recruiting game, in the transfer portal game. But that's a bunch of conversations to leave for the offseason. We've got one more college football game, gentlemen. Next Monday night in Houston, it's Washington versus Michigan. The two undefeateds squaring off maybe the best offense in the country going up against maybe the best defense in the country. I can't wait to see how that one shapes out. Early line, Michigan has opened as a four-and-a-half-point favorite um, in the books. I am fascinated to dive into this matchup, guys, and it's going to be a lot of fun to research this over this week as we will bring a full preview right here on our channel. I'm sure Southern boys will have all the coverage as well. 
what's your initial take on this one? You don't have to give me a score prediction or anything, but just what are you excited to see in the college football playoff championship game next Monday? Well, I think it's going to be refreshing not to have the game end up in a 58 point blowout. I, I don't think I, I don't anticipate that happening. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, yeah, seriously, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, but Trey, like you said, we're doing a, a stream of the game and we did it last year and ended up getting out of hand and it was brutal sitting there while, while TCU is just getting <laughs> killed and killed and killed and killed. Um, but this year, I, I'm just really excited for what seems to be the best two teams in college football. There's not going to be a lot of complaints about, aside from Florida State fans, there's not going to be a lot of complaints about, well, this team shouldn't have been in the national championship. This team should have been the national championship. Michigan had multiple ranked wins. They beat the SEC champion. Washington beat Oregon twice, comes in and beats a very good Texas team on a neutral site. Um, th- both teams deserve to be in. Both teams are, are really, really good. And, and like I said, kind of that um, that yin and yang between the, the defense and the offense that we're going to see, Rod Moore, Mike Sanders, uh, uh, Will Johnson out wide um, in, in that secondary for, for the Wolverines, and then obviously a very talented wide receiver core um, for Washington. That's going to be highly anticipated. Mason Graham and that defensive line for, for uh, Michigan are going to come in hot. And um, I, I think kind of the key point for this game is going to be how J.J. McCarthy controls the offense. Is he going to be able to keep up with the arm of Michael Penix? Because I think the defense for Michigan – will do their job. They'll, they'll do some good things. Um, and, and they'll hold Michael Penix below 37 points, I think. Um, but either way, J.J. McCarthy is going to have to keep scoring and keep scoring. And like you said, Garrett, Jabbar Muhammad had a great game. This is not a slouch of a defense um, for Washington. And um, th- they might be able to run the ball. Uh, but if J.J. McCarthy is not consistent and, and reverts back to what he did in the playoff last year, mm-hmm. he had some stinker games earlier on in the season. I think he's the swing point in this game against Washington. But either way, it's going to be a really good game. Should be a very tight game, and excited to see that a Washington offense and a great Michigan defense collide in the uh, in the national title. Should be a good one. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on. I think what McCarthy does is going to be huge. I think obviously him having to keep up with what Penix is going to do, at least try to do against a very very good Michigan yeah. defense. But you know, if you if you're not careful, if you make too many mistakes, you're going to give too many opportunities to Penix, and he'll capitalize on a good chunk of them. So. Uh, the thing I like, though, is that someone's going to win a championship next week that hadn't won one in a little while. Yes, sir. Um, and yes, I'm, sir. I'm excited that we're going to get a new champion, at least a newer champion than, you know, previous years. are not going to see, you know, Bama or Georgia or, you know, Ohio Clemson. State or LSU yeah. or someone else who's just been winning championships the last 20 years or so. We're going to get somebody else who's, who hadn't done it in a little while. So I'm excited to see that. Um, and, and I'll quote my guy, Teddy, right here one more time. Blue by a thousand. <laughs> I'm going to vibe with that. Teddy's got the vibes. Teddy understands. So yes, uh, we, we love it. We absolutely love it. I, I'll be pulling for Michigan as a, as a fan, at least a little bit, but no, I'm just excited for a great championship game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, and I'm sure we'll have the full breakdown later in the week when we get a chance to look at it, but it really feels like we're getting a strength against strength here with the way that these two teams match up. It should be a really, really fun one to just see who wins out and some good ball. Yeah, new blood. I'm excited for that, for sure. I, I know it's weird to say as Michigan is literally the winningest college football program of all time, but <laughs> Michigan seeking their first title since 97, Washington their first since 1991. It feels good to have fresh competition, even if it is teams that have been there you know, 30 years ago. It's, it's really good to have those teams have a chance, and we'll get a new champion that we haven't had in quite some time. So, Trey, some might say that the dream of the 90s is alive in Houston. It's alive and well <laughs> in Houston, and that is a great way 
oh, to yeah. wrap this one up tonight, guys. We are let's so hope, excited. The Houston locals can keep it a little more tame for those ESPN cameras than uh, New Orleans. <laughs> that was that, that was, was brutal. So bizarre. That was brutal. America, baby. America. Uh, I don't know don't why have a game in New Orleans down there, but don't have a game in NOLA. Don't yeah, have a don't camera. Don't shots of Bourbon Street that's if you don't want. Why are you walking down that street? That's exactly. terrible. Idea. Don't show a camera shot of Bourbon Street if you don't want inappropriate things being shown exactly. on television. Exactly. That's what yeah, I get. have always said. So, <laughs> guys, it, it's been a joy to uh, talk about these games tonight. Uh, make sure you're following along on our channel. Like and subscribe. And make sure that you're following along to the Southern Boys Sports Podcast as well. They are at SO underscore boy underscore sports on Twitter. And make sure that you're following their awesome coverage as well, guys. For Drew Hull, for Garrett Turney, for Mitch Mason, I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you guys next time as we preview the national championship. Gracious, how about that?